0: Jake, hello. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me, Victoria. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Can we talk a little bit about your story, a little bit about what you do and who you are?
1: So, I write the Creator Hooks newsletter. So, I'm a YouTube title nerd. (laughs) Every Monday morning, I send out five YouTube video ideas that did well within the past month or so. And I kind of break down why they work and then how they can work for other industries. And that all started. When I was kind of doing this internally, so I used to be a channel manager at a fishing company. We published two videos a day, and I was the person responsible for coming up with the ideas. So I needed to get a lot of ideas.
0: That's a lot of ideas.
1: Yeah. We had some fishing coaches. So they were doing the fun stuff. They were going out and fishing and recording like the tutorials and sharing their fishing trips. And then I was the one putting their videos online. I see. But I would have to give them ideas like, hey, you all should do this. And obviously, 14 videos is a lot for a week. So what I would do is I would find inspiration from other industries. So we were like education and the fishing industry. So I would look at like the finance industry or like the marketing industry. So, you know, one video that might have done well in finance might have been like five credit cards I would get in 2023. So we would use that for like five best fishing lures in 2023. So kind of just modeling what has worked for other industries, and then kind of taking those for our industry. And that worked really well for us. I was like, man, I bet this could work well for other industries. So I put together like a little Google Doc of kind of like my first edition of the Creator Hooks newsletter. And I sent it out to like 100 people, 10 or so, 10 or 15 people signed up after that. They said they enjoyed it. So I started with those first 10 people. That was about a year and a half ago. And then about a year ago, I quit my job to go into this full time.
0: Wow. Okay. That's really exciting. I was going to ask you, like, how did you come up with the idea for the newsletter? And it's such a good idea. I think you really are shortcutting it for other creators. You know, you're putting in all the work and telling us what works and what doesn't work in terms of headlines. How important would you say they are in relation to the actual content?
1: So we're talking about for YouTube specifically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go with YouTube.
1: Yeah, for YouTube, they determine you know, whether or not someone's going to click. And for some industries, the thumbnail is more important. I think for most entertainment videos, I think the thumbnail is more important than the title. So it could be like a try not to laugh video, where like you could have a hundred different try not to laugh videos, but it's really like the thumbnail. But for education and edutainment, it's really like the idea, and the title is just kind of expressing that idea in a clear and succinct way. And that's incredibly important. If you don't have a good title nobody's going to click your video. So if no one clicks your video, then you just wasted all that time making the video and you don't get any of the benefits from making the video. You don't get any new subscribers or leads or sales, You know whatever it is your channel is for. So it's huge. And a lot of people get that wrong. They're leaving so much opportunity on the table.
0: Do headlines translate? We were talking about YouTube, but would you say they're just as important for newsletters generally across the board? Is it the same kind of principles?
1: Yes. So a fun story about podcast titles. Okay. So Steve Chu, he's like an e-commerce guy. And I was a big fan of his podcast back when I was doing an e-commerce store about five or six years ago. And him and another e-commerce podcaster, they teamed up and they recorded like a joint interview. And they each published it on the same day at like the same time. So in my podcast feed, I saw both of theirs. But Steve wrote a much better title... So he was the one who got me to listen. And then also, you have kind of a limited amount of time, which podcasts are you going to listen to? So it definitely matters there. And then, you know, as far as like what works for titles and headlines, I've got a little dog blog. So I'm familiar with SEO. I'm not like an expert, but it does decently well. And from what I've heard from people smarter than me is that Google likes positivity.
0: Uh, Okay. You know,
1: how to do X or, you know, five ways to do this, or like top five computers, that does well on Google. But when you're talking about YouTube, if you're talking about search, it's kind of the same thing. But negativity also works well on YouTube. You might be like talking about mistakes, like you're probably not going to search for like five biggest mistakes. That's <laughs> no. not something that you search, but for interruption marketing, so YouTube homepage, or like recommended videos, ad headlines... Email subject lines as well, because you probably have like 50 different emails. So you really want something that's going to grab your attention. So for those, things like curiosity, negativity, and desire work really well. For searchable content, YouTube SEO and Google SEO, I found that it's usually desire and curiosity that work well. And a couple other different tips that we can talk about if you want to rank and search. But yeah, so for the most part, the same kind of strategies apply But there is a little bit of a distinction between search and kind of interruption-based marketing.
0: Well, that's really interesting. So if you wanted to rank in search, what would you need to be doing?
1: A few things. It really comes down to giving the audience what they want. And a lot of people think about, oh, like, what does the algorithm want? But at least with YouTube, it seems like there are some other things kind of at play with Google. But with YouTube, it really comes down to giving the audience what they want and kind of how they want it. So you might be thinking like, all right, I want to rank for the best microphones for podcasting. Think about like your audience. Why are they searching that? Is it like best microphones to start like your first podcast? So best microphones for beginner podcasts, or also might be like top five microphones, because if you're searching for. The best microphones, like you probably want to see a list. There could be one, but that one might not be best for you. So lists work well. Calling out beginners works well. Also, using the current year works well. Microphones are always changing. Yeah. I want to know. It's about to be 2023. I want to see the best microphones in 2023 since there are probably some new models that came out. Same thing with tutorials. So like how to start a YouTube channel in 2023. That's always changing. That's not exactly the case for something like dog training. There's not like a new update of like how to train (laughs) your dog in 2023. No. But it might be like how to train your first dog because the person who's looking for that is likely a beginner. If you have experience training dogs, then maybe that's not exactly what you're searching for. So it's calling out the person kind of where they are, who they are, and why they're searching for kind of how they want it to. As far as just like kind of real tactical things, the current year, calling out beginners, lists,
0: Okay, so that's really helpful in terms of like what you need. Can we talk about some of the mistakes that you see people making in titles?
1: Definitely. So if we're talking about just like high level mistakes, it's making videos not for your audience. So everyone watches your channel for a specific reason. We could talk about this from like a very kind of obvious thing. So let's say I have a fitness channel you wouldn't want to see how I grew my YouTube channel. That's not why you watch my channel. So that's like obviously a big thing. But also it might be, maybe you only want to come to me for maybe running advice. So if I may like had a strength train, it's slightly different, but it's not why people watch my channel. Same thing with like nutrition. They specifically watch my channel for running tips. They don't want to hear my thoughts on nutrition. So that's like a very slight difference. And it also depends on like your relationship with your audience. Do they follow you? Kind of like your personality then in that case, you're more likely to kind of have some more flexibility Mm -hmm. in what you talk about. But if they specifically come to you for running tips, then it's going to be tough for you to kind of branch out for that. Okay. Just really thinking about why your audience watches your channel and then making sure that you are always delivering on that value there. So one mistake that people make is just choosing the wrong topic. Another mistake is writing long titles. Long and like complicated titles because people are like quickly scrolling. Even though your audience is smart, when they're really quickly scrolling, they're not digesting your long, complicated title. So you need to use short, easily understood words. As far as like character limits, I try to keep my titles below 60 characters, around 45 to 55. There's not like a hard rule because I've seen lots of videos be successful with. Longer and shorter titles, and also YouTube just changed their interface, so I don't know the exact character limits there and also depends on what device they're on. But typically, just shorter titles and concise titles with easy to understand words will typically do better. Also, too general and too specific are two different ones. Okay. So an example would be, let's say you do camera reviews. If you're trying to rank in search, I'm not like a camera genius, but like maybe we're talking about like the Sony A7. If you're trying to rank in search, then Sony A7 review, that title would do well because people are searching for Sony A7. But you have a lot of opportunity in recommended videos and videos serviced on the homepage. So you could do like best camera for vlogging. So in this case, Sony A7 review would be a little bit too narrow, you could make it a little bit more broad, but talk about a benefit. So like best camera for vlogging. So that's kind of in the sweet spot. And then. You could also make the mistake of being too general. So like best camera ever. Okay. It's like, who cares? You need to be specific enough to give me a reason to click, but also broad enough not to exclude everybody who doesn't know what the Sony A7 is. And the easiest way to do that is to just talk about benefits and kind of like the end goal of the user and why they want that camera as opposed to a very hyper-specific model or being very broad and like best camera ever.
0: That makes sense. That's really good advice. Thank you. Would you ever recommend like split testing titles?
1: Yes, I have lots of opinions on that. Okay. I like TubeBuddy a lot, their A B testing feature. Thumbnailtest.com also has an A B testing feature. And I actually recently did a little project where I did 103 YouTube title A B tests and I assembled those all into an ebook. That was really cool. So, yes, I do. I love A B testing for two reasons. One, you can optimize your channel. And when you're A B testing, typically you would want to only A B test one thing at a time. So, like the title or the thumbnail, uh, not both, because that'll give you more accurate data. And also, the way the A B testing works is it changes the title or the thumbnail, whatever you're testing, it changes it every 24 hours. So, you don't want to do it like starting on day one. So, when you publish a video, Typically, day one, you're going to have the highest click-through rate because YouTube is showing it to your audience, right, your existing audience, and showing it to the people who are likely to click. And then as the days go on, they're going to show it to a broader and broader audience. So your click-through rate is kind of expected to go down. But if you're A-B testing and it's switching every 24 hours, the version A has kind of an automatic advantage because it's on day one. So you're not really going to get accurate data if you start your A-B test from day one. I typically wait like five days to kind of hopefully get the early birds out, get like your regular audience have already seen the video and then start A-B testing. So hopefully that'll make your data more accurate. I see. The second reason why I like it, in addition to optimizing your channel, is to actually learn what works for your channel and you could let that influence future videos. With the AB test project that I did, one of the guys I tested, he has a basketball channel, and I did a bunch of AB tests and they worked pretty well for him, and there was like a very strong like signal of like okay, your audience likes this better than this. So he took those learnings and for one of like his next videos, he applied those learnings and that was like his best video by far. It was like the first video to reach a million views in like 10 days or something. Whoa. He averages like 1 or 200,000 views. Video and this one got a million. So it did very well for him. And that was just because he used what he learned with previous A B tests. So it can help you optimize your channel. But you can also, if you have some theories, test those out on older videos or test them out on the kind of like, you know, recently published videos and then use those learnings to come up with future ideas.
0: When you were testing your 103 titles, did you have preconceived ideas about? We thought this one would do better. And were there any surprises or was it kind of as you predicted?
1: There were a couple of surprises. So the biggest surprise for me, or maybe not a surprise, but it was a learning. So there was one title that kind of like we just talked about with the camera example. One title had a very specific title. And I was like, oh, my new title is going to crush this one. This is going to be an easy win for me. It turns out my new title did like 25% worse. The original title had like a 5% click-through rate. My new title had like a 4% click-through rate. It did a lot worse. But looking back on it, that was because that title was ranking in search for that very specific search term. So in this case, the audience was looking. It was some technology channel. It's like technology like security. And so it was for a very specific tool. So people were looking for that and they wanted to see that in the search results. But then when my title that talked about like kind of the benefit of the tool, when they saw that, it's like, oh, that's kind of what I'm looking for. We're like, that's not really what I'm looking for. So they chose the more specific title. So in that case, that was because it was ranking in search. I see. And all of of its traffic was from search. Not all of it, but most of the traffic was from search. So that was a big surprise at the time. But now it's kind of like obvious to me. I should have known that that video <laughs> was ranking number one for that search term, but that was why I did it, because I wouldn't be telling you the story. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that unless I did that. So that was a surprise. a couple other things, some like mistakes that I made. So I've got like a couple theories of like what makes titles do well. One theory was, do you want to kind of take things to the extreme? This is for a travel channel, and I can't remember exactly, but it was This Beach Made Me Quit My Job and Travel the World. Ah. It was slightly long, and that's not the exact title, but the essence of the title was that it was a little long. There was like kind of three separate parts of it. So I was like, oh, well, let's simplify it and let's take it to the extreme. So taking things to the extreme often work well. So you could talk about the best camera for vlogging, kind of putting things in a bucket. This is a vlogging camera and then taking them to the extreme, like the best camera. Right. My title was like the most beautiful beach in the world. It was a good title, but it decreased the click through rate. People liked the original title the most. And I think that was because it spoke to why people watch that channel. Like they also want to quit their job and travel the world. And by me writing my technically better title, I took out kind of like the main benefit of why people watch that channel and why people wanted to watch that video. So even though it was, best practices were better, I took out the main benefit and that led to it decreasing the click-through rate.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. And I can see that when you're thinking about it as well. You definitely would want to see the beach that makes someone want to quit their job.
1: Yeah, and especially for this creator's audience. That's why they're watching the channel. They're living vicariously through them because they also want to quit their job and travel the world. So of course, that was a good title. That was me kind of missing on that one.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. So you mentioned emotions in titles being important. You say curiosity?
1: Curiosity, fear, and desire.
0: Okay. So that one, would that have come under desire? Yes. Quit your job, but it's kind of where you want to go. Okay. Can you give any examples of any others that work while using those emotions?
1: Yes. Well, we pull them up. So I've talked to people who are much smarter than me, like Pat Flynn and Daryl Eaves, and I've gotten to ask them, like, hey, what do you think makes a good YouTube title? And they both like, said like one word, like curiosity. Right. And that's like the most important thing. Through Creator Hooks, I have a database of like over 500 viral titles and thumbnails, and 60% of the titles have curiosity. 46% have desire. So like curiosity is most common, and then desire, and then 40% have negativity.
0: Right. Okay. Some rough numbers
1: of how common those three are. But also most of the good titles use both. They'll use curiosity and negativity or curiosity and desire. So a couple of examples. One good example of curiosity is Bronnie James finally did it. So Bronnie James is LeBron James' son. Oh, okay. He's a very popular basketball player. So he finally did it. And that opens up a loop that builds curiosity by opening a loop. It what? Yes, exactly. Finally did it. And this video is published like around the time where he's kind of like deciding on his future. Is he going to go to the NBA or what college is he going to choose? So Ronnie James finally did it. What did he do? And you could also think about like the real estate market finally did it. It's like, oh, like did it finally crash? Was it finally trending up? Right. So opening a loop is starting a story but not finishing it. And that's like the most common way to build curiosity. You can also kind of think of it as like a cliffhanger. Okay. And then when we're talking about desire, here's an example. Four one-minute habits that save me 20 hours a week. What's that? Everybody wants to save 20 hours a week. Yeah. This actually uses kind of like a lot of click triggers. So I've kind of called click triggers what make people click. We have a list. So like, you know, four one-minute habits. Timeframes work really well. So you could say like, you know, four habits that save me 20 hours a week or for one one-minute habits. And those one-minute habits, they just make them way more tangible. It's like, oh, these habits only take one minute. I can do a one-minute habit, right? Like, I have 24 hours in the day. These four one-minute habits only take four minutes. For 20 hours a week, heck, yeah, I'll do those. So time frames they make things more tangible. And in this case, more exciting. And then also we're talking about a desire. So saving me 20 hours a week. So it's also kind of a time frame there, 20 hours a week. And then habits is also kind of like a power word. I've seen habits work really well just across a bunch of different industries. I think our culture is just kind of like obsessed with habits. So like James Clear's Atomic Habits. just going to (laughs) say. Yeah. That was like the best selling book on all of Amazon, I think last year. We love habits. And they're also just like very tangible. Like you know exactly what a habit is. You know that it's like something that you can do unconsciously. And it's a great way to set your future self up for success. So also bad habits. You could talk about bad habits. Actually, one of my best threads on Twitter talked about bad habits that are stopping you from growing your YouTube channel. Oh, So fair. that's like, you're talking <laughs> about negativity there. So obviously habits can work for desire, but also you could talk about bad habits. So now you're talking about negativity. So we have Bronnie James finally did it. A lot of curiosity. One minute habits that saved me 20 hours a week. A great example of desire. And then here's another example, stop using VLOOKUP in Excel, switch to index match. This uses negativity, so like stop doing this, kind of like a warning. And then it's kind of counterintuitive or like challenges your assumptions. So I am definitely not an Excel aficionado, but from what I understand, VLOOKUP is a very popular function. So this title says stop using VLOOKUP. It's like, wait, why would I stop this thing that is really good and that helps me accomplish my job and yeah. using Excel? So telling someone to stop doing something that's good, it's like where I'm going to kind of categorize that under curiosity because it kind of like doesn't make sense, but it's also negativity. It's a warning like, oh, stop doing this. So that's a good example of curiosity and negativity kind of combined there. Another example might be like, there's a video that did really well as I stopped asking people to subscribe. And that was from a YouTube channel. So everyone's kind of like, great, like, you know, asking people to subscribe is like best practices on YouTube. But why would you stop doing that? That just doesn't make sense. And I have lots of examples of like, stop X. And it's usually, you know, stop doing some commonly held belief that is good, you know, stop doing a best practice, because it doesn't make sense. The warning and it doesn't make sense. So it's a great example of curiosity and desire. So those are a couple of examples of curiosity, fear and desire with couple mixes in there too.
0: They're great examples. Thank you. So you can kind of take a title that's working and you could apply it to a different niche. Would you say kind of the structure or the stop doing and then whatever your niche is?
1: Yes. So when I was working for the fishing channel, this is like when this all clicks for me. Like at first I was so bad at writing titles that I almost got fired. <laughs> oh no I'm like I'm just not naturally good at it. And my boss was really, really good. So he knew, he's all right, this is a good title, this is a bad title. He wasn't like the best teacher. Like no one really teaches this stuff, which is why I started Creator Hooks. No. No one teaches you how to write a good title, what makes curiosity, how to use negativity in like a tasteful way. So that's kind of like a big reason why I started Creator Hooks. But the biggest thing that clicked for me was he was on a hunting podcast. And he was talking to the guys over there. And they said that newbie hunting gear had worked really well for them. So he's like, hey... get back, let's do a podcast about newbie fishing gear. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So we did that. And of course, like that was our best podcast of like the last two months. We had like the highest click-through rate. We sold like a lot of gear from that. Everything was good about it. So that's when it clicked for me like, oh, I don't need to be original. Let me just find something that worked in another industry and use that for mine. Right. And especially like if you're like just getting started or if you're like me and like you're not naturally great at writing incredible titles. The easiest way is to just find something that has worked in the past and then just model that for your industry. And YouTube is like the easiest thing to do. YouTube like shows you the views and it shows you when the video is published. So you can look for outliers. Like that's all Creator Hooks is, is I'm looking for outliers. So if a video or if a channel, if they average like 10,000 views a video, but then one video got 100,000 views, it's like, oh, there's something here. This is so much better. So that's how I use it for YouTube. But then also like in Google, let's say you're writing best laptops. You might also want to search for best hair dryers or best makeup brushes or best cameras and say, okay, what also works for like the best of and how do they write their titles? What is ranking and how do I model that for my industry?
0: Okay. And of course, you can read your Creator Hooks newsletter to get some shortcuts.
1: Yes, that's why I have it. It's to save you time. Yes. So with this strategy, hopefully that'll save you time.
0: Excellent. Can you let people know where they can subscribe to your newsletter?
1: Yes, creatorhooks.com.
0: Simple as that. Thank yes. you. <laughs> and how about the book you mentioned? Where is that available?
1: If you sign up for Creator Hooks, you'll get a little like thank you message. And then at the bottom of that thank you message is a little, little like link to go get that. Or it's 103youtubetests.com. Or if you just go to creativehooks.com and you view previous issues or read previous editions or something, whatever it says in the bottom there, there should be a link in the header there on my website.
0: Perfect. Thank you. And is there anywhere that you'd like people to go to connect with you, like any social media that you're active on? or
1: Twitter. That is currently my only active social media account. So that's at underscore. You could also just search Jake Thomas. You'll see a guy with a beard and a dog and that'll be me.
0: Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today, Jake. It's really been fascinating. I've learned so much.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Victoria.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.